Praise the Lord, everybody. The Lord has been good, and it's been one of those one of those days where uh, you just just put your faith in the Lord and say, Lord, you've got to take care of it. But we did get, uh, of course, we got all kinds of calls about whether the tornado was going to blow the church away and whether we would have church. And so we just said, well, we're going to have church. And we're going to pray the Lord doesn't blow the church away. No, that's not, that's not how exactly it worked. But we felt like things were calming down. But So we were just glad to see a good number that came out tonight in spite of it all. Praise God. And so we're here tonight. I'm going to receive something special from the Lord. Before we're seated and before you grab your Bibles, uh, I was just asking Brother Jackson. He uh, was earlier in the week. Uh, they thought that they rushed into the hospital, thought perhaps it was a stroke. And uh, they said that was a stroke. And then every sign of it went away. And they said, no, that was not a stroke. So God answered prayer. Can we just thank God for answered prayer? Hallelujah. Hey, you want that to happen when you're in need, that God is going to take care of it. One more thing, and I would like us to pray one last time before we're seated. We'll get right into the word. But um, I was just up to see Brother Frazier. And, of course, you know, Sister Frazier has been passed for some time. And uh, he made the decision about three weeks ago. Brother Barron, you were up there today. Did you go? See, Brother Frazier, can he make it not can hear me? Praise God. Well, anyway, Brother Frazier thought you were there. And uh, <laughs> you are, I, Brother Barron was up there. And uh, But, of course, he's, um, his daughter lives way up north and so on. Uh, <clears throat> so they, they plan to send him home tomorrow, but his, his, uh, he's had knee surgery on his right knee. And, uh, of course, that concerns me because he lives basically alone and uh his family will help and so on but i think we should pray an extra special prayer tonight for him and then i've been having a very hard time all day because we've received word from the hospital that sister latta is in critical condition and they are going to be sending her to hospice that cancer is uh, so advanced that there is nothing more they can do for her. So all of that news came down. Now, we've known that she's been very, very ill, and what in the world is causing it? And today the word has come down. Of course, Brother Latta is, need, needs our prayers, but <clears throat> Sister Latta is just as uh, uh, sweet as she ever has been, and it's very very challenging to step into the room and and to know they're facing that news now we know that god can change everything in a moment's time so i'd like us to lift our hearts and let's just pray for these and ask god to anoint his word tonight father be seated i'm going to do things a little differently tonight this is my uh, i'm taking this as my last opportunity and since it's the last wednesday of november to uh finalize some remarks some things that are on my heart about the coming of the lord and so i did the same thing sunday morning we're going to complete uh, some 
things, and I'd like to entitle this lesson uh, Five Keys to the End Time. And that's for our folks up in the sound room so they'll know exactly. I'd like us to turn to Revelation. And uh, uh, brethren, you can go ahead and put the first one up, although I'm going to read a separate passage. Revelation 13, verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Can you say blasphemy? Blasphemy. So these heads, which are symbols of the end-time government of the world, we might say the worldwide government, upon those heads was written the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power. In just a moment, we'll, we'll see an artist's rendition of this, but his, and his seat and great authority, so the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So some people think that an assassination attempt will take his life, and he will, however it happens, he will be healed, and the world will say, wow, that's, that, that just shows how great he is. And they worship the beast, I mean the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast. So you can see, everybody say the beast. So you can see that the beast is both a term for the government and the man that heads that government. But the center of evil, now, folks, no Antichrist could rule the world if the world were not evil. There's just no, no Antichrist just come along and grab it and all the nice people run off somewhere. That's not the way it's going to work. All right? And so they worship the dragon, verse 4, which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. So from the time he is seated, there will be three and a half years of his rule. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, 
let him hear. So I'm going to <clears throat> expect in December that we're going to be looking to other concerns in, uh, in the Bible and so on, of course, the holidays, and then toward the end of the month talking about evangelism because we want 2017, should the Lord tarry, to be a great year of revival. How many would like to have that happen? And many souls to be saved and, and of course, converted. We're starting a brand new class on holiness for our new converts, and we're getting it set up and making plans and so forth, setting uh, the agenda for the class. Sister French is actually, is actually teaching it. So tonight, I'm wanting to talk about the five key keys to the end time, or five key voices, we could say. So I want to approach this tonight. Some, some of you will... Uh, notice a, a distinct difference in the way I'm approaching this. I, I want to uh, I want to cover some things tonight that will help us in the future to say those were the keys, and now we're going to open some doors with them. Now, of course, the first key is the prophet Daniel. Everyone say Daniel, and we've already just Sunday we looked at this, so I'm not going to spend time here. But the prophet Daniel gave us, uh, or had a vision, and then, of course, gave it to us, that the empires of the world are basically like a huge statue, that at the end, when you get to the toes, then this stone is going to be hewn out of the mountain and is going to be cast at his feet and destroy that empire. That's one way of saying that sin is going to be dealt with, that God is going to judge sin. And he's going to take care of things. It's also another way of saying that God never loses track of time. He knows exactly what he's doing. Someone said, well, the Lord hasn't come. And I'm going to tell you what many people think right now in the world, or certainly in America. They think that because it's been all these years that there's never going to be a judgment day. They don't think there's going to be a judgment day. Many people and some Christians are living like that. They're counting on there's not going to be a judgment day. There's not going to be a reckoning with what they're doing and the way they're living. And so they think that uh, the fact there's been no fulfillment of prophecy or the total fulfillment that it's just going to keep going on that way. And, of course, the Apostle Peter addresses it. And we may uh, kind of talk a little bit about it here in just a moment. But Daniel saw the vision of this uh, of this image, we'll call it, or the world empires from the golden head all the way down to the feet, which were iron mixed with clay, which meant, of course, they were weak. It was a weak union, the toes symbolizing just like these tin horns in Revelation that we just read about. So these are so we have now looked at two keys, but we're going to focus on the first one. The two keys, of course, is the book of Revelation. And the second one is the prophecies of Daniel. These are keys to end times. And Daniel says in verse 3 of chapter 11, a mighty king shall stand up. In verse 36, he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods. That's the spirit that is in our world right now. The spirit of Antichrist is uh, 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 trying to consume every nation and trying to cause uh, uh, confusion and trouble in people's hearts and minds. Trying to keep people from believing, thinking that a Hollywood star is more important to them than their own soul. 
It's the spirit of Antichrist. Now, I know people will say, oh, there's always, there's always been, I hear that this is, seems to be the, one of the big things. Oh, it's always been that way, which is exactly what the apostle Peter said they would say. Oh, it's just always been like that. Everything's the same as it was. No, no big deal. All right, and that's by the way evolution says. Everything's just keep going. There's really no difference. All right, now let's, uh, let's go to the next slide, and I'm not going to spend time here, but it does give us uh, a image or a picture, whoever did this particular image, however you do it. I wouldn't know how, but it's a, an image of the vision that Daniel had, and there's the stone, uh, and so it is that the kingdoms of the world are going to come crashing down. And how many are thankful that the Lord's going to take care of everything in, in, in the end? Praise God. Every burden that you've ever had, every trouble that you've ever faced, God is going to make it all right in the end. Praise God. It's going to be all right in the morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we just clap our hands and thank God for it right now? Praise God. Praise God. So it's important that we uh, be awakened and hear what the Lord is saying. Now, we're going to the next slide, and I'm, I'm repeating here, but I want to make a couple comments uh, about the end of time, which is the theme of tonight's message or Bible study, that there's going to be an end time, whether it's today or tomorrow, or it's 100 years from now, there's going to be one. The question that we are all wondering about is, is the Antichrist living? Could it be those nations will rise, that horn, those crowns? Is any of that taking place right now? Is it, is it happening in our, in our world? And so we, uh, there are several things about uh, the, the coming of the Lord and the, what will happen in this world, which is very troubling, because for Christians, our hope is in righteousness and, and in, in the church and the, and the things of God. And yet, right here in America, the spirit of Antichrist is pushing against the church. It's pushing against the church. Not only is it causing people to backslide and to live ungodly and so on, but it's causing people to uh, it's causing the spirit of Antichrist is, is uh, the spirit of Satan, we could say. I don't really see a huge difference. I don't mean that Antichrist is Satan, but he is filled with Satan. And wherever he is right now, although he may not even know what his role is going to be, I'm not trying to be too dramatic here, but I personally believe the Antichrist is alive and that we know him. I believe that. I think we know him. Now, I don't recognize him personally. I don't, you know, maybe you do, but I don't. I'm not sure who it is. And I know that someone's going to say, well, um, you know, Brother French, for 100 years, they're already saying that Donald Trump is the Antichrist. Hillary Clinton, that was a tough one, but she's the Antichrist. Uh, Obama is the Antichrist. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I wonder if the Antichrist knows his destiny. Does he know? I, I, just, I just tend to think no. It's, he, there's some indication that the spirit of Satan that sort of makes a bargain with him, and uh, he's so evil, and he's so committed to evil, that uh, he's able to literally be 100% possessed of evil to the point that 
He has all the power of Satan. Now, I want you to listen to me. I don't want you to worry. I don't care. If you don't like it, I don't care. It is critical that we understand that while Satan is not the devil, nor is he the devil incarnate like Jesus was God incarnate. That's not what he is. But he is, in fact, given all the power of the devil. Now, about a year ago, this began to get a hold of me. The Lord began to deal with me. You've got to wake up. You've got to do better than you have done. Because this spirit is not just an ordinary evil spirit. It is a man that is going to allow Satan to so get a hold of him and fill him that it will be all of the power of Satan in a man. That's who it is. Now, we're in a day when you can't even call immorality bad anymore. Oh, you can't even call a movie star that cusses his head off. That's bad. You can't say that anymore. Because you can't call sin, sin. See, that's what it's all about. Satan is having this heyday. But, of course, the, the, the devil's nervous. How many knows the Bible says he knows that he hath but a short time? See, we think it's going to be forever. The devil knows it's not forever. He's telling them, oh, it's forever. Everything's the same. But he knows he's got a very short time. And when things start ticking and when this begins happening, because, you see, the devil doesn't know. The devil does not know what only God knows. So it is that it's very, very critical that we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord and for revival in these last days. If we are, uh, if we're prepared spiritually then we won't get all upset about uh, events that are happening around us and so on. And we won't lose our way. We won't lose track of what God wants us to do. Plus, it will increase our burden. For example, if your children are not saved and you are not burdened for them, that to me is a horrific sign. That I can think of no greater sin than to know your children are lost or your neighbors or whoever they are and you have, you have little or no concern about them. That to me is just like saying uh, you don't believe anything. And a lot of people live their lives, they say they believe the Lord's coming, but they live their lives like they don't believe it at all. They don't believe the Lord's coming one bit. They're just not living like they believe it. All right, so but the, what I want us to look at is the, so we're going to hurry here. How long will it be before the church begins to feel this sting? Now, I know this is a repeat, but I want us to think here uh, because it is possible that as and I want to take a look at a couple things that are on the horizon politically. Of course, we've just had an election, so that's over with. Thank God. And now we are uh, we are looking at a crisis in America. I want to talk about that crisis and the world. So when will it be that the spirit of Antichrist will begin to silence the pulpit? Because that's, he's been trying to do it. He would like to do it. And so the question is how we might be. So I might mean by this, how drastic will things get? What is going to happen? What are they going to say to preachers? Are we going to get letters and so on? Like, uh, who was the preacher that just recently got the, I can't remember. Anyway, a letter saying you can't, uh, 
You, I want all your sermon. Out. That's what it was. I, I, you've got to give us all of your sermons that you are preaching. That's, that's to a government official. Here in America, not Nazi Germany nor communist Russia. Right here in America. And, of course, the preacher said, we're not giving you anything. You're going to have to put me in jail. You're not getting my sermons. But that's in America. So my point is, what, how, how much push is there going to be? And so, and, and then, of course, the, uh, the alternative uh, is then if we know we're this close, I think we are, maybe, you know, I'm just suggesting it is certainly worth thinking about if the world is getting worse and Antichrist is in the world and sin is everywhere and the Lord, if the Lord should tarry, now I keep saying the Lord, I know you're going to come before that happens. I know you are. But if you don't, I want to be ready. I want to do everything. I want to be ready. Praise God. So now is the time. Everybody say now. All right. And so it is. So let's, let's keep going. Let's go to the next slide. And this, and this is uh, our first step into looking at the crises in America. And we'll take just a moment. And, and that is the global crisis. Now, I've already shared this, but I want to look at a couple things. And that is, of course, you can see the picture here that the, the problem in the world right now is a, we might, we might say there's a new crisis. Uh, you, the nuclear crisis that everybody talked all oh, the nuclear crises. Uh, and of course, it was a crisis. I'm not, I'm not suggesting it was nothing. But everyone said, we'll, we'll take care of nuclear weapons and we'll disarm and everybody's going to be just hunky-dunky. And that's going to be it. And peace, peace, peace. And no problems in the world. Nobody for one minute ever saw the rise of Islam and the rise of rogue nations. Right now, we have a political state that we will call ISIS for uh, since that's fairly commonly termed that is now in 32 nations of the world and is radicalizing we just had this wasn't it just this week we've had this uh, the claim was that this week my brain is I'm just trying to remember so we had at Ohio State University in Columbus, I'm assuming, anyway, somewhere in, in Ohio, a radicalized a student that came here and ended up in college and then through his connections to ISIS, according to the news today, he did this because he was radicalized by them and he drove his vehicle into a crowd. Nine people were nearly killed and, uh, and of course, then he lost his own life stab people and whatever he was doing in the name of radical Islam. And so what, what, of course, what we are seeing is a increasing lawlessness. And this is what is so important is that the, the critical key to understanding the spirit of Antichrist is not merely immorality, although immorality is, is tantamount to the Antichrist, but the, the second critical issue regarding the antichrist is lawlessness that there is going to be a sense that you don't have any freedoms you do what we say we're the ones in charge no other law applies i'm the god of the universe that's the spirit of lawlessness and let me tell you folks i think we should lift our hands and pray against the spirit of the age just do it father right now we come against every force i pray for every saint tonight but I pray, oh God, that this mighty church, that it will be a tr 
tremendous and powerful church in the last days. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, I, I want to preach, but I, want to, I don't want to get too preachy. See, I'm, it takes a lot for me not to do it. I got a, 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 a minister sent me a, a sermon that he heard uh, a couple of days ago. And in the sermon, they were talking about Brother Talmadge French in Atlanta, Georgia, and about his writings and his uh, study of the growth of the oneness movement and how many people were baptized. And uh, this young preacher, who's not a United Pentecost preacher, so don't try to guess who it is, um, he is an apostolic, and he is also attending a university, and so he used my books to present his own material. And in the process of the last five years, I know him well. I know exactly what he's doing. He's written me, called me, so it wasn't a surprise to me. But in my material, I had said that uh, the Philippines, that I could demonstrate a quarter of a million people in the Philippines in 40 separate groups. And I sent him all my material, shared it with him. And uh, then I said, now you take it and now you go in the Philippines and you begin to just see how many, uh, really how many people are actually baptized in Jesus' name in the Philippines. And in this sermon that they heard and they sent to me on a CD, it said, Brother French, here's his notes, here's his material, this is what he sent me. I've been working on my PhD now for X number of years, and I've been studying the Jesus name movement in the Philippines. He said, I want to tell you that with all of the research that Brother French did, he'd never, I'd never been to the Philippines. Every nation I've researched, most of them I'd never been to. And he said there was a quarter of a million 40 Jesus name churches. But he said that was nearly 20 years ago. He said today in the Philippines, there are over 2 million Jesus name believers in the nation of the Philippines. So what am I saying? There is revival in our world. There's hunger in our world. And the devil's mad and, and uh, he's willing to let me get all excited tonight if it'll keep me from saying what I want to say. He just let me get excited. Most of the time, he make me perspire and, and trip on my heel break off or whatever. I'll blame him for whatever I can. So we have in our world a lawlessness, a spirit of lawlessness, and it's demonstrated in ISIS. And uh, may I say to you tonight that this crisis does not only threaten the world it threatens the nation of Israel with such a roarous sound. They intend to destroy Israel, and don't you disbelieve it. Their very core, if they had the ability, which is exactly why Iran right now is hoping to... Find a clever way to finally have the ability. You say, well, they couldn't do it. I've said it myself. They couldn't blow Israel off the map with a nuclear bomb because it would destroy their own holy sites. Yes, that's right. But that will have to stay right there for tonight. And so it is that our world is filled with war and uh, the peace of the nations is threatened. France, Germany, England, uh, of course, the United States, all the major 
Western nations have had continual, this is a war unlike anything, including the guerrilla warfare of Vietnam. There's never been anything like what we are now facing. Okay, now let's bring it home and let's go to the next uh, one. And we are working on setting up, if you haven't noticed, a, a screen back there. So I don't have, you know, just help see the words and so on. And it was, it's almost ready, very close. How close do you think that is, Brother French, to, uh, <laughs> to where this is working? Back here pretty soon, probably tomorrow or very soon. No, Brother French works hard. He's trying his best. And, and let me tell you, Brother Jinx, you've never seen a better acrobatic performance than them putting that up there on those ladders. Well, there is one, and that's Brother Myers putting the bulbs in, in the ceiling. That's the only one I've seen that's any better. All right, so we're looking now at the local crisis in America. And the crisis in America is to destroy. Do you, okay, I'm just making sure. The, the crisis is to undermine the Christian uh, basis of law. That is the moral code of law. <clears throat> the basis of moral code in the world, but certainly in America, England, America, is the Mosaic Law. And it's what we now refer to as the Constitution that placed in document form a, a uh, document that put our rights and our laws in written form. And uh, many, many people have done such a thing, but American law has, is, uh, uh, is famous. And the spirit of Antichrist seeks to destroy righteousness by destroying law because it's lawlessness. Now, first of all, the, now follow me. I'm, here we go. Follow me here. I'm, I'm here. So what I'm doing is I'm going to walk down this. All right, the, here's the first thing he, the, that the Antichrist spirit is doing. It is attempting to suggest that words that are spoken in the past, for example, the Bible. And I, know you're, I know it's hard for you to listen. I know you think, oh, my goodness, it's going to be an all-nighter. The lawlessness spirit is saying, the Bible may say thou shalt not, but it means thou shalt. The Bible may say you can't cuss, but it's okay to cuss. What it says here doesn't matter, or these words don't count, or something like that. For example, words no longer have original meaning, and therefore we can alter them. For example, it may say you have the right to bear arms. But it doesn't really mean that. And this law is being challenged right now. It is coming up before the Supreme Court. And the next, they're waiting for a judge to be appointed. And half of the judges on the court are conservative and believe that words mean something. And the other half have bought into the notion that it doesn't matter what the words say. We can change the words because that's the way words work. We use them to our purpose. So you can, it may not be in the Constitution. For example, not a thing in the Constitution says that you should be able to murder your babies before they're born. And yet the Supreme Court has said they have a right to murder their babies and nobody can, that this has come from this spirit that we're talking about. The murder of babies cannot be justified by court nor pope nor circumstance. It is murder clear and plain. 
So this is why they say we can ignore the constitutional protections. For example, freedom of religion. So let's look at a couple of them. Now, uh, let's look at the Supreme Court for a moment. Now, here's what the Supreme Court was all about. The founding of the nation, the Constitution. People, the people of the United States have the right to have constitutional freedoms, such as freedom of speech and to be able to pass laws to which they consent. We have passed a law and we consent to this law. Freedom of religion is part of our freedom. It isn't gun, might be, or it's up for grabs. It is a freedom. Each branch of government then protects the from the other branch, the president or the Congress or the Supreme Court, the reason they're there is to be sure that no president, no Supreme Court, and no body of lawmakers ever thinks they can override the freedoms of the American people. Each branch protects from the overreach of the other by limiting their power. Government is never to oppress its own people. Of course, Hitler didn't think so. He just went in with machine guns. He cared nothing for his own people. That's what tyranny does. That's what Antichrist will do. It is the spirit of Antichrist. So here we have now, let me, I've summarized these. There are many more. I hate to even do it this way. These are attempts to undermine the freedoms of the American people and remove the Constitution via the Supreme Court. Judges dismiss the meanings and protections of the Constitution and therefore undermining, they undermine my freedom, including my personal protection. That I would be thrown in prison for my religious beliefs is unheard of in American politics. And yet it is, before the it is before the Supreme Court right now. For example, let's list five. Number one, these are critical issues before the court this very moment. Number one, the freedom of speech and the right not to support political causes that you oppose. There are forces in America that wish to make me pay for evil that I do not even believe in. And that's before the Supreme Court. Number two, government restriction of our, that is the people's right to political advocacy. That is to say, I have a right to believe politically what I choose to believe. If I want to be a communist, I have a right to be a communist. If I want to believe in freedom, I have a right to believe in it within the confines of our Constitution. And nobody has a right to tell me that I cannot advocate for what I believe in. Number three, discrimination against churches' rights. It is before the Supreme Court as I speak right now. For example, the freedom of religious conscience versus abortion. We are living in a country where the right of abortion now is politically more credible than the right to believe in Jesus Christ. That's where we stand. Or forcing pharmacists to sell abortion drugs when they themselves are Christians. Or for a baker to prepare cakes for a gay wedding 
or a photographer to take pictures at a gay wedding. They're going to be forced to do so or so certain attorneys think. This is nothing more than the spirit of Antichrist at work in our world. And as I said, number five, the right to keep and to bear arms. There are forces right now that would destroy every freedom. For example, there has been a recent law that is lawless, which is attempting to take over all of the waterways in the United States of America and make them the sole possession of the government. So that there is no freedom to fish or have access to these aspects of our world. Or transgenderism, which has redefined sex and says that sex means whatever you think you are, that's what you are. So that the Constitution says you can't discriminate according to sex. And so they redefined it and say according to what you think your sex is. So that you then can demand a bathroom separately from everyone else and so on and so forth. Or even now, this is going before the court in just a few months. And of course, we're one judge short of a full Supreme Court. The refusal to enforce law. Does anyone have a right to refuse? For example, what if you wanted to murder a particular person because of their race? And say, I ignore the law because I have every right to do so. You have no right to ignore the law. And to not enforce it. Of course, those are two separate issues, and I realize it. Okay, now we're going on. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Now, number, we're looking at two more aspects here. We're now bringing in the Apostle Paul. Uh, really, one more, because we've already been talking about Revelation. But look at Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 7. And you know, and this is the New Living Bible. And you know what is holding him back. Because we're talking about the Antichrist. For he can be revealed only when his time comes, for this lawlessness is already at work secretly. And I, don't, I want to say this now for anybody listening out there wondering, does Brother French realize that the word lawlessness is not in the King James? It's a uniquely used word in the New Bibles. Yes, I do. Yes, I know the King James doesn't say lawlessness. I'm reading from the New Living for another reason. And, of course, the, the lawlessness of the Antichrist is, is biblical, but it is not the word that is used here in the King James. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Everybody say the church. That's the church. The church has to be taken out of here. Folks, we're getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. And by the way, this is the scripture that causes many people to believe that the rapture will take place in the middle of the tribulation. And they couldn't be more wrong, but that's what they believe. Now, let's go on. We're going to look at 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. Now, do you see here I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reading this entire passage from the New Living. I'm not advertising it. I'm reading from it. Now, the Antichrist and his actions represent the desire of men and, of course, Satan to take the place of God or to do away with God. But it's not just getting getting God out of the way. It's literally to take the place of God. It's the desire. It's Satan's desire from the very beginning. He wants to be God. He wants to be like God. And God said, get away from my presence and cast him down, the Bible says. All right, so here we go. First, Second Thessalonians 2, 4, and then we'll go to verse 9. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call 
God. And every object of worship. He's going to defy every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Now that is a mind-blowing concept. Verse 9, this man, I'm reading from the New Living, will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. That's amazing. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived Interesting way to translate it. And they will believe these lies. Then, everybody say then. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Now let's go to the next overlay. Now Jesus said, Matthew 24 and verse 5, we'll read a couple uh, little sections here. Many shall come in my name. So we're expanding on the words of Paul in Second Thessalonians. Jesus said, many, everybody say many, many shall come in my name. Now, I take no pleasure in this, but many people that claim they're speaking for God are false. They're not speaking for God. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Verse 11. So this is, uh, in my mind, the great falling away. But let's continue. Now, we must combat this with light against darkness. If we are inactive and we fail to preach and push against this pressure of the end time and the deception of the Antichrist, then it will be impossible for us to do the work of God. Beware only those in Matthew 25 with the oil went in to meet the bridegroom at the midnight cry. It is critical that we keep our lamps full. Could we just lift our hands and ask God to fill us up? Lord, fill my cup. Let my lamp be full of oil. Lord, I pray, Lord, not arrogance, not pride, not conceit, but fill me with the oil of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Fill my cup, oh God, and let it flow, I pray in Jesus' name. All right, now we're going on to the Apostle Paul, the final uh, use of the Apostle Paul, the key of Paul to the end time. And it, he explains in Romans 1, how did it go? How you go from God's anger to the final judgment of the Antichrist? And the problem is moral. Everybody say moral. Man is ungodly, or verse 18, ungodliness. In spite of creation, they deny the existence of the Creator in a woeful lack of appreciation and reverence. Verse 21. They they say that 
I have no creator. Uh, I came from monk, a monkey, and I have owed nothing to anybody. Prof- verse 22, verse, this is Romans 1, professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools. Are you able to see it? I hate that that's uh, hard to see. I was hoping that that picture was going to help. I've had three pictures under those words. And uh, that angel is sounding the uh, trumpet of judgment. They devised their own gods, loving and serving themselves through them, turning from the true God, verse 23. So I'm not reading verse Romans 1. I'm talking about it. So the, the, they illogically deny God, or there's the illogical denial of God, which naturally then results in spiritual chaos. You cannot reject God. Now, folks, I may not be perfect, but I love my Savior. I love my God. I serve my God. I don't have to be, I don't need to be a Hollywood star. What I need to be is a servant of Jesus Christ. I love Jesus. Hallelujah. We don't need riches. We don't need fame. We don't need degrees. We don't need colleges. We need to serve our God. We need to love our God. Come on, let's clap our hands and praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So an immoral condition, Paul says, results that leads to reprobation. That is, reprobation then is the inability to know truth and respond to righteousness. You have seen so much ungodliness that you can no longer respond to God and this reprobation is irreversible that's why it's called reprobation it is an irreversible condition of the heart and it is exactly what happened in Noah's day and it results in a timetable for judgment whenever the world reaches this timetable then the trumpet will begin or the sound I'm just using analogies here but The judgment itself will begin. Now we're reading verse 26 and 27. This is uh, uh, King James. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. In other words, immorality reached such a peak, such a a stench before God. I'm using several analogies here. It reaches a point that God says this is it, but it also does something else. The penalty, say they receive in themselves that recompense of their error. Do you see that? Let Let me point to it right here. The, uh, over here, the, uh, da, 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 da. They receive in themselves that recompense of their error. So that recompense of their error is kind of an interesting way of saying that it's a penalty. A recompense is a penalty. A penalty, and the penalty is, listen to me, you're not listening to me. The penalty is they can never be satisfied. They're insatiably hungry for evil. Nothing ever satisfies them. No matter how filthy, no matter how vulgar, no matter what it is, they cannot find satisfaction. 
and it drives them to even greater evil. Let's go to the next. Now, so now this brings us to our final two, and that's the words, the, the key of Jesus and the key of the apostle Peter. So we have here uh, Genesis 19. So uh, the question that I have, and, and we're going to go to both the key of Christ and the key of the apostle Peter. The picture is, of course, of Sodom. And the question is, are you escaping this world? Or are you turning back to the world? That's what Jesus asked. That is what he was referring to. Lot nearly escaped Sodom. I mean, it was, uh, it was within seconds, leaving just as the fire fell. Of course, we're going to expand the story, but stay with me for just a moment. Lot's wife turned her back in the midst of her own deliverance. That is, she could not keep her face turned in the direction of deliverance. She was so eager to be what Sodom was. She loved this world so much that her children and her husband and her family meant nothing to her. She turned her back. All right, so Genesis 19. Here we go. The Lord, verse 16, being merciful unto him, that is Lot, and they, that is the angels, brought him forth. That is, the judgment's about to fall. They're literally, I mean, they had to literally, angels had to conduct them out. They should have left there long ago, but angels had to lead them out and set him, the Bible says, without the city. But the story's only just begun. So here they have escaped the city. But the escaping the city would not have saved them because it wasn't just Sodom that was being destroyed. It was an entire area. And so he set them outside the city. In verse 17, he says, escape. Or you could just say flee, the same word, for your life. Look not behind thee. And then the Bible says, and we're skipping to verse 21, that Lot, even in this last moment, just before, this is how merciful, trying to, trying to demonstrate the mercy. Even with all of this, they stayed way too long. They, and I know that Lot was a just man. The Bible says so. I'm not denying it. I'm simply telling you that things were such, the mercy was flowing. Uh, like the song says, mercy there was, what is the song? I can't remember what the, mercy there was great and grace was free or something like that. Hallelujah. Even then, after being set outside the city and, and just moments, and in fact, the angel was basically, now you listen to me, I'm telling you the truth, and I'm teaching Bible tonight. Just as the brimstone was about to fall, the, the voice of Lot broke, the, the, the echoed in the atmosphere, and the angel was waiting. I was going to say tremble, but I, I don't want to go too far. The angel was just literally uh, waiting for Lot to get away from here. Get away from here. I've taken you out and your family. Now go. Flee this place. And Lot says, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to go to the mountain. I want to go to Zoar because Zoar is a little place that I first saw when I first headed over here. And would please let me go. And the angel said, I will not overthrow this city that is of Zoar. 
I will let you go there. So verse 22, haste thee or hurry up. Escape thither. Everybody say escape. Everybody say escape. Escape thither. That means go to that place. Thither is an old English word for there. That's the place you need to go right now, Zoar. For I cannot do anything till thou become thither. By the way, this little passage convinced me years ago the church would be raptured before any judgment fell. But that's, that's beside the point. So he says, haste the escape thither, for I cannot do anything. Let's go to the next slide. Cannot do anything. Now, Jesus said, Luke 17, 32. Let's read it together. Three words. Remember Lot's wife. Let's read it together. Remember Lot's wife. Now, we have to ask the question, why? Abraham, we know from Genesis 19, 28, that was as the smoke of a furnace, and that's what this little, this, not the best illustration, but this, if you notice, has look, what looks like lava running down the mountain slope. I'm going I'm to describe the picture, not that it, just so that you can get some benefit from it. So on the uh, right-hand side are Lot and his daughters. On the bottom of the hill, that's supposed to, th this artist was trying to depict that way off in the distance was, was Sodom, and Lot's wife is behind. Of course, let me see here, the other picture we didn't really look at but uh, so it is she's down there that's a distance away way down the hill towards Sodom and she's now become a pillar of salt but all of that has occurred after Abraham interceded and interceded for their soul and for the city of Sodom in gracious mercy the angels guided her with her family toward the city of safety and, and all that took place, and she almost made it. She was almost there. It was close enough, little Zoar, which in Hebrew means little, by the way. So little Zoar, that little place, she almost made it. And yet, the Bible says, his wife looked back, verse 26, from behind him. So he was leading, but she was not following him. And in that process, she looked back and disobeyed the command of her deliverance. And her disobedience to the very end in the midst of mercy, brought tragic destruction instead. Jesus, speaking of the spirit of Antichrist in the last day, said, remember Lot's wife. Number five, and our final key, is the apostle Peter. And we're looking at, uh, I, I didn't even type it in, Second Peter 2 and verse 2. And uh, so that's where it is. Sodom and the flood and the coming judgment. The relationship, the Apostle Peter says, who also preached Acts 2.38, he said, and I'm reading now, notice that I'm going to switch translations. So I'm just going to tell you what they are. I'm going to start with the New Living, and then go to the King James, and then go back to the New Living. And at the very end, at the bottom, 
I'm going to I'm going to read from the ESV right here. All right. That's what I'm doing. I'm switching to make a point. Verse two, New Living Translation. Many will follow evil teaching and shameful morality. So the Apostle Peter says that the spirit of the end time and the spirit of Antichrist will follow the same lawless trajectory that says I have no one that can speak righteousness into my life. I have no one that can tell me how to live and I will believe what I want to believe. That's evil teaching, by the way, and produces a immorality that Paul spoke of in Romans 1 or, or what Paul, the Apostle Peter has called and the New Living has translated shameful Immorality. Of course, all immorality is shameful. But there is such a thing as having an immorality that is worse than another immorality. There certainly is. The Bible says so. There, is, there are sins that you are increasing to the point that they're bringing destruction not only to your life but even to our world. And that spirit is in our world right now. We need to pray. i tell you what I feel like doing. I know, Brother Fred, I know they're up working with the kids tonight. I wonder if we could pray for our young people just for a moment. I'm almost done. Let's pray for our young people. Father, right now, I pray that the spirit of Antichrist will be pushed back from our people and from our young people. I pray that the spirit of Hollywood and the sin of our age will not grip our young folks. I pray that they will have a heart towards God, that they will find a righteousness that defies logic and our world and that they will be filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God and we thank you for it Lord touch our youth oh God I pray and have your way thank you Jesus you know sometimes I know we forget how what a what a battle it is for young people to live for God I was just talking to one of our young people just a couple hours ago about school and the things that were being done and I thought my goodness if I ever had if I'd have had to face that Lord help me and so we need to pray for our young people now verse 5 and I'm reading now we're back to the authorized but God that is saved Noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So we're basically repeating the theme of Romans 1. Ungodliness is what brought about the flood. Verse 6, God condemned, now we're back to the new living, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot. He didn't just destroy Sodom. He extended tremendous mercy. Now, I'm talking here. I'm not reading the text. He, ex he See, he, he, uh, he, uh, he condemned the cities of Sodom, but he, God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man. Folks, it's going to take righteousness just like it ever did. That's why they're so out there writing book after book after book after book. You don't, doesn't matter how you live. Jesus doesn't care. God doesn't care. One, one guy wrote a book called God is Blind. And I said, yeah, your, your God is blind, but, but my God can see everything. His eye is looking down. He sees to it everything going on in this world. Hallelujah. Verse 10. Let's stand. Here we go. Verse 10. He is especially, I'm reading from the New Living. Verse 10. That is God, I'm going to say it that way now, God is especially hard, are you listening? On those who follow 
God's especially hard. Now, folks, I'm reading from a Greek. I know this man. I know this translation. I could have translated it myself. I'm trying to show you that this verse says clearly from the Greek, God is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted. And notice I stopped there. I could not put the new living here, not in a public setting. So I didn't use it. So I've cut it out. It's especially hard on those who follow their own twisted, and then I'm going to the ESV, defiling passion. We could just say immorality. Their own twisted immorality. He's especially hard because that is what brings the boiling point to cause the cup of wrath to begin to overflow. Here's what I think. Can you go to the last one, Revelation 3.11? Let's read it together. Behold, I come quickly. Hallelujah. Don't be left sitting on the bench next to the Bible, my friend. If there's ever been a day you need to get ready, you need to get ready now. You need to get ready. Oh, people, get ready. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our hands all across the building. Father, tonight, thank you for helping me to get through this lesson tonight. Thank you, Lord, for keys of truth that help us to see that this is, in fact, the time, Lord, for the church to prepare itself for revival like never before and to get our hearts ready to meet our wonderful Lord. Father, we love you tonight. We magnify your name. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name. Can we just clap our hands one time and, and just give him a little bit of praise? Hallelujah. 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 Somebody was worried. I don't think I, I just found this particular picture, but uh, somebody was worried about my clothes and my suit dropping back. Of course, this suit's got a, I won't tell all the problems with it, but um, this suit needs a repair right here. And so that's why I do like this. Sometimes I put my hand in, inside my suit. And then <laughs> Sister Fish is not happy about it. Um, and then sometimes it's in, this, in here. And then sometimes, and then, and then there's a hole in there. And then sometimes this, uh, where's my pin? Anyway, my pin that goes in here, it will go through the hole. And then my pin is down here. And so people come in and I'm doing this. They say, what are you doing, Pastor? I'm getting my pin. Trying to get my pin out of there. And they're worried that my clothes are going to drop and, oh, my goodness, you're going to not have those old clothes on. No, I'm going to have a new robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. I'm going to be gone. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Brother French, come and dismiss us. We're going to let's bow our heads. Brother French is going to pray. And thank you for letting me uh, let me get through it. God bless you. I've given you my heart tonight and I love you. And let's pray for this Amber Alert that they find him. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your touch, God. I pray that everyone in this room would be absolutely ready for your imminent return, Lord. I pray that our hearts would be right during this holiday season. Lord, it would be a shame to be celebrating your birth and for our hearts to not be right. I pray that you'd prepare us. We give you praise. We give you glory. Bring us back this weekend safely. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.